welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art on MTR Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is a chef and jerk aficionado, Antonio Baines. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, so I got connected to you. I was referred to you by um, Adam Estes from Wet City. Right. And um, he's, he was like, you're an interesting dude. So I was like, I like talking to interesting dudes, especially if they're from the city. And I saw a few of your, your photos on Instagram and one really caught my attention. Um, it, it was one, uh, I think it was maybe in a market or something. And someone had like their the concentration of like jerk flavoring they had on the chicken. And I think your caption oh, yeah. was, was oh, pretty yeah. funny. And I just laughed at it. Um, so I want to talk about um, your background and just like, just you, like, you know, it's always kind of, kind of hard for people to say, yeah, I'm just going to talk about myself for half an hour, but talk about um, describe your training, your cooking style and things of that nature. Okay. Well, I'll tell you how I got started and interested in jerk happened back in 1990. And that kind of sort of opened the door for everything I did culinary after that. The, um, one, of my, one of my buddies, close friends, lifelong friend, Nati Rock from Job Works. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he talked us into going to Jamaica one year for the Sunsplash. I was like, okay, cool. I was 20 years old, went down for three weeks. And we get to Montego Bay Airport, get a taxi. We're about maybe an hour out from driving in the airport. And that's just this from the airport. And there was the smell in the air. And I'm just like, what is that smell? <laughs> and the cab driver looks over his shoulder and he's like, that jerk chicken mine. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we, we got to find it. So it's like, you soon come, you soon come. So he pulls us over to the side of the road. And I swear to God, it was a, a little shanty. <laughs> and what were supposed to be ice cold red stripes were, were room temp, but still refreshing. And this chicken. <laughs> and the chicken was, it was unlike anything I had. So after three weeks of trying to eat as much as this stuff as I could, I come back <laughs> stateside. And it's just like, okay, um, I'm on a jerk mission. I need to find some jerk. <laughs> and every place that you would go to was like some oven baked, oven roasted um, chicken breast strips or something. And it's just like, where's the bone? Where is the whole chicken jerk? So at that point, I realized that if I was going to have this, I needed to learn how to do it. Gotcha. So. Every year we would go down pretty much every year in the 90s and I would try different jerk places. And one year in particular, Rock had come back. He, he, he being a musician, he was able to go three and four times a year. So he came back one year and was just like, man, there's a guy on the beach that's um, doing jerk. He said, I'm going to take you to him when you go down. And we would do the fly down in a couple of weeks. So, um, we go back down and this guy was calling himself the Colonel. So we go, we try the Colonel's jerk chicken and it was good. My mission every time we would go was to come back home and try to do my jerk better than what I had in Jamaica prior. So one day we're all hanging out. This is back when we all lived in uh, Bolton Hill on Mount Royal. 
and we're hanging out in Rock's yard and I had the 55 gallon out. I did like eight chickens. We're all just sitting around drinking Guinness and eating a jerk. So Rock looks at me. He was just like, you surpassed the colonel or you the general. <laughs> but once he tagged me general, that I, I did my best to keep up that moniker and like really, really uphold it. And it's, it's just, I've been working on my jerk for, like I said, since 1990 to this day. And um, I'm, I'm proud of it. I will put it up against any jerk anywhere. And that means the Caribbean through wherever. That's, that's Heidi talk. I like you, you had me over here mouth watering. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta sort that out. Um, we're going to sort it out, man. I, I'm, I'm going to, there's a couple of people I want to get some jerk to before I switch over to barbecue fully, but I will okay. do jerk if I have the demand for it, but I will definitely will, will coordinate. Yeah. Cause I, I've, I've been seeing, like, I just, here's the thing. Like one of my good friends is Jamaican and right. I, 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 up until like last year, I'd only had like maybe curry goat. I didn't have jerk before last year. And right. one of my other good friends, we went to DC for some podcast meeting with Howard university. And we were next to this spot named Negril. Okay. And I heard a few different things. Like if the person waiting on you is kind of rude, the food is fire. And right. the food was on point. And then since then, we've looked for it in the wildest places, getting jerk chicken, getting curry chicken, cocoa bread, the whole rundown. And um, we've had it at gas stations. We've had it up. I've noticed a few spots that are up here. Like I'm in East Baltimore. Right. and There are three um, kind of Jamaican spots over here. And I'm like, I'm going to wait. I, I don't want to have bad jerk. I want to have good jerk. Right. I got to get it from the general. So this is what I'm doing. <laughs> That's what's up, man. I will. I tell you what. I'm actually going to be prepping my chickens tonight for okay. the orders that I have Sunday, and I have your name on one of them. That's a bet. That's a bet. That sounds phenomenal. So, and so this is the thing with all of this kind of increase in like spots kind of popping up with their version of it, and you spoke on it a bit where. Uh, they don't have the bones in it. And the, the spot that I had mine's in, it was definitely more of that rustic. She took the wild cleaver, cut the chicken in half, and here right. you go. It's, so outside of that, because I think bones and all of that stuff have some degree of flavor that adds to it, where where do people go wrong when they're doing their jerk chicken or their jerk pork or any, any of their jerk? Um, they do it in the oven. And jerk is something that needs a fire smoke element to it. It's, it's not, I, I, I like to say it's jerk seasoned. Okay. If, if it's done any other way that it doesn't include fire and smoke, I say it's jerk seasoned food and not the full on technique, full blown jerk experience because the smoke is an ingredient. Okay. And it, it, it really needs to be present. Other than that, I say it's jerk seasoned food. I gotcha. Because uh, I want to say this year, one of the things I've tried to perfect, because I, I cook a little bit myself. Understood. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, I'm a private maybe. I, I might be an ROTC. I don't know. But um, I got a smoker. I got a Traeger joint um, during the summer. And I just do smoke crab cakes now. Like crab cakes is kind of like my thing. I have like a Japanese right. fire crab cake. And I definitely get your point about smoke being an element of that flavor profile, because when I broil it, when I fry them, same setup, the smoke has a, the smoke one has a much different flavor. It's a better flavor. 
It, it, it is. It's very different. And, and to me, whether it be jerk chicken, jerk crab cake, I'm one of those people that I like to say I can do a lot of things. It's, it's, and it's good to be versed in something. But when you find your niche, like what you're really passionate about, mm-hmm. that's what that's what I say go for. I like that. I like that. Cause you, you got to go after it. It's just like, make this your own thing because too often I think people will try to do a little bit of everything. I, yeah. I look at certain menus and places and it's like, nah, yeah, nah. they got like a thousand and one <laughs> things and it's just like, okay, what are they moving? What aren't they moving? It's too many choices, you know, whittle it down that way, you know, everything is cooked and curry fresh yeah. And, you know, go from there, man. But that's a that's another thing that um I uh, I've noticed about Caribbean restaurants. And granted, they do have an extensive cuisine. And, you know, you have a lot of I don't want to say displaced uh, Caribbean folk, but they they just might have longings for things that they don't they don't get all of the time. So these mm-hmm. places want to make it available. But at the same time, it's just like, OK, you consider your location and your clientele and what they might want. Just have your, your like whittle it down to the, the best stuff that you can do without compromising everything. And, and I, and I think not even, and I agree. And I think not speaking specifically of, um, of like only Caribbean restaurants, but I think like more broadly, like you'll, you'll come here and you'll see different restaurants here. And I think we have a interesting, like uh, food scene in Baltimore. And I want to get your take on that. But I, I think that some places go a little too broad with what they have and they don't consolidate it. And I've watched right. enough like kitchen nightmares and things of that nature. Right, right. Rescue my restaurant where it's like you are doing 25 different things. You should probably do 15. Yeah. What is your take on like the climate of like the restaurant world in, in, when it comes to Baltimore? Um, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, I think that there's definitely more of an emphasis on sourcing locally. That's one thing. Um, when I was running the kitchen on Charles Street, the uh, the owners actually had property where they started doing their own farming, and they had they had farmer friends that we would order a lot of produce from. And because of that, I think that it gives you the opportunity to really change up what you're doing. Okay. And I think a lot of, a lot of the conscious restaurants are taking advantage of that and doing that and whittling down like their, their, their core menu and do a lot of special offerings as things come into season. And it, it, it just gives you room to expand your ideas and, and dishes and what's with what's available and just keep it interesting. Yeah. I, I, I see that. Cause I, I have a, a few friends that are in the industry, like, um, like, uh, Chris Amendola from forged, like everything is hyper seasonal there. And his thing is he goes foraging and it's what's there. Certain things he may not have worked with. He's, he's originally from, from Florida, I believe. Right. I'm up and it's like, what are these? I don't know what these are. I know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm not quite sure what these are. They're very native to here. And he's like, they smell like an orange. They taste like an orange, but they don't look like an orange. What are they? And, you know, it's just people kind of adjusting their menu based on the seasonality of things, because 
if like it like one of the things he does there a lot is like mushrooms or what have you so you know mushrooms they they're different based on which type what time of the year we're in yep um size flavor texture all of that so let's see uh achilles heel this this is this is a thing right here so you, you mentioned that the journey around like perfecting the, the jerk over the years or what have you. Now on mm-hmm. the other side of it, what would you say is your Achilles heel ingredient, an ingredient like that you hated working with or that you don't like when you encounter someone else's food? I would have to say my heel, honestly, and I give props to everybody who has have mastered it, but baking has never been my fork. <laughs> I can do basic baking things. Like I can do a simple yellow cake. I can make the hell out of some pizza dough, which is one of my favorite things to do. But that is my heel. Yes. Baking is my Achilles heel. It was one thing that I watched everybody do. And it's so regimented. It's, it's, it's really, it's not forgiving. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to have and, and and depending on the humidity and you have to know how to make those kinds of adjustments. And I did a stint at Woodbury, I would say, for about four or five months. And I would watch the bakers and what they were doing when I was doing my prep for the day. And these guys were very, very regimented. It's it's like what you have to be to be successful in baking. And I, I've just never had the patience for it. I'm more of a, a, a savory kind of hands-on person in that respect. Is, is I've, I've heard that a lot from people like um, that they kind of have one that they're really strong with and one that is just like, that's Chinese algebra to me. I don't get it. And I, I sometimes I look at it because, like I said, I, I try to cook. I watch the chef shows like literally it's Food Network all the time. And it's like I try to learn some of the basis right. of things. And then it's like if I can improv, that's what I like to do. And from what I understand, it's not a lot of improv and baking. And to your point, like the, the regimented thing, I think someone described it as this is literally chemistry. Yes, it is. I'm a, I need to add this into it. I need to go off of taste. And I, I think the savory thing, I, I echo that, that same notion. Um, so we, we talked about food, Baltimore being a, a bit of a food city a little bit, right? And how it's, it's, like, it's nothing but a food city now. And, and I think that that has its positives and some of its negatives, I suppose. What are some of your favorite food cities and in those food cities, what do you like to eat there? Oh, man. That's, that's a tough one, I know. <laughs> it's a tough one, but I, I, have, to, I have to admit that um, <laughs> Barcelona was one of my favorite places to eat. It was literally... Uh, you can get a little bit of everything there. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a huge, huge Turkish influence that's there. The um, Like, I fell in love with donut kebabs when I was there, believe it or not. Okay. Now, granted, I, I had some of my some of my best food experiences in Barcelona, I'm not going to lie. But it was something as simple as those donut kebabs 
that just blew me away. <laughs> it's like it's just like street food that you wish you could get here in Baltimore. Yeah. But you can't. It's just like, honestly, I mean, I'm born and raised in Baltimore. And I grew up when Lexington Market didn't have like heroin addicts and <laughs> pill poppers falling all over the sidewalk. Yeah. And, you know, I remember Polak Johnny's and, you know, being able to get like really good corned beef on corned beef row. And it, it, all of those things are like really, really hard to come by as easily it was, as it was back when I was a kid. Yeah. And I, I, I just feel like, um, there are definitely a lot of restaurants in the city. I almost feel like there are more restaurants than we have people to support them all. True. And it's, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of sort of, I, I like the fact that people are trying to move forward and, and, you know, stay relevant and, you know, just trying to keep the scene alive. And at the end of the day, it's, I, I think we're, I, I think what we're missing is inclusivity and the population. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I finally, some people will come up here. Like I always, I, I rally for the city. I'm born and bred here as well. I rally for the city all the time. And, you know, I talk to people because like we get this whole message of move on to the County, get a, you know, get a house that's this. And it's like, there's no culture out there and the food is trash. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I don't cut corners around that. I was like, you'll come into the city and, you know, most of your money's being spent in the County, but you're coming to the city and try to leech off that culture. And that's something I'm very aware of, but just when we weren't in this current situation, you see it bustling for the, you know, like different places, like the tapas places on, um, what is that? Charles street. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll see people there. Like I would make it a point because I would record at um, big improv on, on Charles and mm-hmm. I would go to like a wet city or somewhere local. It's like, I'm spending money tonight. I'm going to go to a restaurant that I dig. And I think that they have a unique menu and that's what I, I try to do because, you know, I, I think the food scene here is unique. It may be a little overcrowded. And I think if we had more people moving into the city, yeah, that would kind of solve some of it. And, you know, they're building a lot of things here. They're building a lot of yeah. properties. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, so still kind of in the, the, the topic of meals, right? Um, now this might, this might be something you've already mentioned. Cause you talked about the, uh, what was it? The corned beef earlier. And I, I have similar memories of the corned beef. We're, there's a bit of a, a little bit of an age gap between us, but I'm in my mid thirties. So my daddy's. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could be your father. If, <laughs> if, if, yeah. If, yeah. I was born in 1970. So go from there. <laughs> um, so let's see most memorable meal in Baltimore and get as detailed as you like. Um, the, what, the, where, the, who, what were you drinking? What was, what music was playing? If there was music, but a memorable meal that like sticks in your head. That's like very just Baltimore centric. Um, that's, you know, I have to be totally honest. It was crabs when I was a kid. Okay crabs when i was a kid it was if it wasn't 
every weekend was every other weekend, but it was one of those things where there was a bushel of crabs. They were all big, meaty, full crab. Like the crabs were so big. Like we used to, as kids used to play with the claws. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older and I'm just like, when did these things become a luxury item. Like I literally stopped eating crabs for years because I just refused to pay the money for them. But as a native Baltimorean there, I would have to say that was (laughs) the pastime for me. Yeah. I like my, my, my girlfriend is a New Yorker and she likes crabs, but she was like, I don't do the whole sit there and pick through the crabs. She's yes. like, I'll eat them if someone else picks them. And I was like, what the, What are you talking about? That's part of the fun. That's, that's like the ritual. That's yeah. like jerk versus jerk season food. <laughs> Your hands got to get dirty. <laughs> Your hands got to get dirty. It's a whole process. It's a technique. So, what would you say the biggest misconception about food here is? And maybe food and the culture, those are like part A and part B. Like what is like, what do people not get about the food in Baltimore? And what do people not get about the culture in Baltimore? More so for like someone that's an outsider coming here. Mm. That's, that's a tough one because I know that there, when you think about, some of the chefs that we have here and what they're doing. I mean, you can definitely find quality, quality food here in Baltimore. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if there, what kind of misconceptions people might have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess being a native, you can't see the forest for the trees. So, that's fair. It's like that's you kind of sort of you kind of sort of know where to go for this and where not to go for that. It's 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 just one of those trial and error things. But I think if you happen into the right place, you could you could find something to your liking. Mm-hmm. Become a become a loyalist. Like um, I always get the the joke from people. It's like you just ordered the same thing. I was like, I know it's good here. You know, (laughs) it's just like, look, they make the cheesesteak the right way here. And, um, it's this one. And I I didn't know what it was until I just tried it out. Um, what is it? Fishnet in, uh, Mount Vernon marketplace. Okay. Um, that Baltimore bomber sandwich is basically like whiting on, um, just like a sub roll with the cheese and the dill. And, I was like, I remember the sandwich as a kid. I didn't know what, what it, what was on it. I just right. knew what those flavors were and all of them melded together. Yeah. And that's the thing that I get all the time. I love, uh, uh what is it? Uh, fish and chips. And they yeah. have that there. I love salmon croquettes or salmon cakes. My mom makes them. They have those there, but I always go for that Baltimore bomber and it's all of the onions on there. My breath is a bit tart afterwards, but I'm satisfied. I'm very happy. Yeah. With my choice. That's exactly right. That's that, I mean, it comes with the territory and it's just, it's, it's what you're willing to sacrifice. Absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit of your background. Cause like I said, you have a, an interesting background here. Um, so I, I read that you're a karate practitioner. Have you ever used any of your skills in the kitchen? No, it's, and it's funny you should ask that because 
It's like when I when I I was training, I guess for about seven years, and I got to my song Q rank. That's that's your last brown belt before you can test for your black belt. It's like your third degree brown belt. And I'll never forget when my when I first started training, my sensei was just like, you'll realize the further along you get in your practice, the less you're going to want to ever have to use it. And it it was so very true. It really, really, really calms you. It, it, it relaxes you. And just to know that you have, you practice an art because it is, it's an art. And it's, I, don't, I won't say it, it's always evolving, but you see things in it the further you go along in it. And it, it does, it makes a lot of sense, but I've, I've, left jobs because I was tested by kids basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you just don't even know. And you don't <laughs> want to know. You don't want to know. But um, yeah, I practiced for about seven years. I got to my Sanku rank and I went to uh, my first Koshika back in 2015. It was at the University of Connecticut. And the Koshikas are when the grandmasters of the style come in, they give a, a week long workshop mm-hmm. and people come in from all over the world, wherever they're going to be, they come in and, you know, we're there. And prior to the Koshika, I had met my girlfriend. So Tonio got a little bit lax on his practice. <laughs> um, Suffice it to say, I failed my black belt oh, test no. grandly, but you know what? All of the grandmasters, they came up, they say, don't quit. You got to keep practicing. You got to keep practicing. You got to keep practicing. I failed my black belt test four times. And I was just like, got it. And that's when I understood. it, it, It takes practice to become really good at anything. Mm hmm but especially at martial arts because it all builds on everything that you start learning from the beginning. It's amazing. And I I honestly think I know for sure that it was the best thing that I did with my adult life. Now I'm still practicing in my head and I'm still really good friends with my sensei, but um, I think I'm going to go back Mm -hmm. and pick up where I left off so I can go ahead and, keep moving with my practice, but yeah, Weichiru Karate Do. Mm -hmm. Kiyohide Shinjo is the grandmaster, and my sensei is a direct student of his. And before the pandemic hit, he was due to go to Okinawa for a month to get in some more training with him, and he comes back and he shares the wealth. But um, yeah, Stanley Crump, he's in Ellicott City, the best that you're going to get, I would say, on the East Coast, considering who he is learning from. I dig it. That's that's great. It's the first time I've talked to someone who's who's a martial artist. Who, he's a practitioner. Yeah, this is it's really cool. Uh, I have two more questions. And then one of the things I like to do on this podcast, I give all of my guests an opportunity to shamelessly plug anything that they want to um, at the at the end of the show. But um, the last two questions I have, one is um, what is or, or share a unique skill that you possess? 
we, we touched on your, your background in karate, but do you have any other unique skills that you're like, you know what, that's definitely Antonio. That's a, that's a good one. Um, uh, that, I, 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 you, you caught me off guard with that one because <laughs> I, I don't really feel as though I possess anything that's special other than, you know, my determination to put out the best product that I can. I mean, that's the, what I could say to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing that usually kind of, kind of trips people up sometimes. They're like, what skill? Like, I don't have anything. It's like, we all do. We all got something like, you know, mm-hmm. if someone were to ask me, mine's just like, I'm a problem solver. I see something and I, I try to adapt at it. You're not going to catch me with the same thing that next time. And that's, right. yeah, I try to learn from those mistakes in that way. So the last thing I have, and again, I want to thank you for, for being on this. This has been, this has been great. It's been insightful. Um, what would you say um, is a, a great thing that a great thing about being a chef in Baltimore? How close knit it is. I, I think that the chef community, we, I think we all know who we are. Um, it's uh that, 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 to me, I think, it, if you can shed the ego, because I, I think you have to have a little bit of it, but um, I think for the most part, the people that are holding it down here in Baltimore, I think, have their heads on their shoulders. And it's, it's, I, I think it's a very communal scene, and, and especially as of late, because of what this pandemic has, has put really everybody through, those uh, who are really conscious, I think, uh, have have learned from it and have become a little more communal and a little more open. And I think that's that's one of the good things that happened out of this pandemic. If you could say something good came out of it. Silver lining. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much all the questions that I had. Did you have anything that you wanted to, um, put out there? Anything that you wanted to shamelessly plug, maybe a social media account? My one and only social media account is Jerkworks, and that's works with an E on Instagram. And if you are ever interested in jerk or the barbecue that I'm going to be transitioning into, just direct message me by midnight the wednesday prior to my sunday cook and that is my shameless plug that sounds great i want to thank you again and i'm going to do my sign off so um for the general for antonio baines i'm rob lee saying there's art and tasty things like jerk chicken in and around baltimore you just have to look for it